0: I invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 23. We're going to go all the way through Mark chapter 3, verse 6. You would open your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. And uh, once you find that, let's stand together in honor of the reading of God's holy inerrant word. Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 23, all the way through chapter 3, verse 6. This is God's word for us at this moment. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, How to destroy him. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is clear. And now, Spirit, we ask that you would teach us in this uh, brief time that we have together. Help us to see the truth and the beauty and the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. From the pages of Scripture, by the ministry of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. You can be seated. I don't know if you've had any experiences with Sabbath observance. Um, I grew up in Puerto Rico, Roman Catholic, so didn't have any experiences. But when I was eight years old, we moved to Florida, to central Florida. And we moved to a part of Florida, a little town called Avon Park, where there was a large Seventh-day Adventist community. And a lot of my family were Seventh-day Adventists. And so I remember we would go to our cousin's house on Saturdays, and uh, there was no TV. We, We could watch no cartoons. And it was utterly boring to sit at their house and just look at each other because they couldn't do anything on Saturdays. That's, that's my first memory of Sabbath observance uh, as a kid, but also when we lived in Florida, it was a time where they had blue laws. Now, some of you are young and you don't remember blue laws, but in Florida, things were closed on Sunday. Stores were closed on Sunday by law, and, and that was another kind of quasi-Sabbath observance. A few years ago, June and I uh, were in Israel. Uh, we were with a group, and uh, one Sabbath, uh, we went to the home of a rabbi to eat. And, uh, and our tour guide just really prepared us. You know, this is the Sabbath. This is what you should expect. Don't, don't turn any light switches off, because then they can't turn them back on. And, and it just seemed so overwhelming, everything that we actually couldn't do um, you know, it, it was a joy-filled feast. We had, we had wonderful time talking about the scriptures and other things. But the bondage of the rules and regulation were really apparent. Um, one, of our, one of the young ladies in our, our tour group went to the bathroom and actually turned the light off and then just panicked. And so we said, turn it back on. Just, just turn it back on. It'll be okay. Um, and, and you wonder, where did all these rules come from? From scripture from tradition well to protect the law in general and the sabbath in particular the pharisees added specific rules to help the jews be faithful in their obedience the the mishnah is the oldest authoritative codification of jewish oral laws it was compiled over a period of 200 years and it was completed around the end of the second century early third century And in the portion titled Shabbat, there are 39 categories of prohibited activity on the Sabbath. In our text, Jesus' disciples break at least two of these categories. I realize that the Mishnah was written later, but again, the Mishnah is a codification of these kinds of traditions. One was reaping, quote, severing a plant from its source of growth. Two, threshing, removing an undesirable Outer from a desirable inner. The question of the Sabbath confronts us today. In fact, it still confronts us even as believers. Like, what do we do with a fourth commandment? Are we to observe the commandment but reject legalism? How are we to think about this particular commandment? I think our text helps us to answer these questions. Here's what I want us to think about. Because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, we can rest in and enjoy His work of creation, and we can rest in and long for His work of salvation. That's going to be my outline, just two basic points. Number one, we can rest in and enjoy His work of creation. Look there with me at verses 23 and 24. Here is the question that is raised. Why are your disciples breaking the Sabbath? That's essentially the question that's raised. And in verses 25 and 26, we have an illustration. It's really an argument from the lesser David to the greater Jesus. There in verse 25, Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar through the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. So Jesus is bringing this illustration of an apparent violation of the Sabbath and he brings that to them and then he gives them the answer. Jesus is basically saying, look, David did this. I'm greater than David. But in verses 27 and 28, we have the answer. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath so the son of man is lord even of the sabbath i just think about that for a minute when we went into that uh, rabbi's house in israel it didn't feel like the sabbath was made for man it felt like everything we had to do was to keep the sabbath and there wasn't peace there wasn't rest in that however there was genuine piety that we're really trying to honor the Lord, and we have to understand that. But Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not the other way around. You remember the scriptures in Genesis 1. We are reminded that God made us on the sixth day of creation. And then on the seventh day, he ceased from his work of creation, and on the seventh day, he rested and he blessed it. Genesis 2, 1 through 3. The purpose of the seventh day was to rest in and enjoy God's work of creation. It was to rest in God's work, to join in God's work, to fellowship with God, to have communion with God, and to enter into God's rest. It's codified in Exodus chapter 20, the Sabbath observance established in the law at Sinai. But in the establishment of the Sabbath, we see the goodness and the grace of God don't we just as God ceased his work of creation on the seventh day so also God wanted his people to cease from their work on the seventh day he wanted them to join him in that seizing of work the sabbath was made for the good of God's people for their goodness and for their joy And the main point is right here in verse 28. The Son of Man has been given authority even over the Sabbath. Now, we have to try to understand what's actually going on here. By calling himself Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus is once again claiming to be God. He is Yahweh. He is the I Am. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is God himself. Jesus is the Son of Man, the one who has been given all authority by the Ancient of Days. Jesus is also the Son of David, who is greater than David. He is David's Lord, as we see in Mark chapter 12. Jesus is the Lord by whom, for whom, and through whom all things were made, including us. And as the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus, who instituted the Sabbath, also fulfills the the Sabbath. The law was given to Israel on Sinai to remember the covenant stipulations for the sake of how to relate to God. The ten words or the ten commandments were a summary of that law and Jesus fulfilled that law through his perfect obedience but he also fulfilled that law by receiving upon himself the curses of covenant breaking by his sacrificial death. As Paul tells us in Galatians. Jesus became a curse for us. The law was a temporary arrangement until Christ came. And this is the point that Jesus makes here in Mark 2, 21 through 22. The old has been fulfilled. The new has come. You cannot pour new, the new wine of Jesus into the old wineskins of Judaism. We're no longer under the law of Moses. We're under the law of Christ. So what does a Sabbath mean for us? What could it mean for us? Because Jesus has fulfilled the Sabbath, we can rest in and enjoy His work of creation. That was the original intent of the Sabbath. Now, we still need a rhythm of work and rest to the glory of God and for our own joy. Remember, I said earlier, the early Christians were Jews. They came out of a Jewish background. They embraced Jesus as their Messiah. They still went to the temple. In Romans chapter 14, Paul acknowledges that Jews and Gentiles can coexist in a church that is Jewish background believers and Gentile background believers. And he still makes room for Jewish background believers to observe the Sabbath. But he also tells Gentile background believers that they're free from that stipulation. One person sees one day above the rest, another person sees every day is the same. So how may we rest in and enjoy Jesus' work of creation as new covenant believers? Well, remember, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. David and his crew were hungry, and they ate the bread of presence which was prohibited to them. It was only granted to the priests. And so, If the Sabbath was made for man, then there are some things more important than keeping Sabbath. One of the ways that we rest in and enjoy Jesus' work of creation is by resting in Jesus' provision. The Lord provided for David and his men in their time of need, allowing them to glean, allowing them to do that kind of work. Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread. The Lord provides for us by allowing us to work. So one of the things that I would encourage us to do is to work hard. We're to be diligent in our work. We're not to be lazy. We're to work hard. But also, the Lord provides for us who are pastors through the generosity of others. Through the giving of the congregation, we're to enjoy that and we're to receive that and we're to rest in the Lord's provision. So what I would say, brothers, is work and work hard, but also rest in Jesus' provision. And when we rest, we glorify our Lord by showing our trust in His provision. And part of that rest means that we take time from our work. We have that rhythm of work, that diligent work, and then we have that time of rest as well. When we work without resting... We show our lack of trust in Jesus' provision. When we become workaholics, for whatever reason it might be, we're showing that we're not resting in Jesus' work. Work can become an idol, and work can become an idol for pastors as well. It can become an idol, brothers, when we sacrifice our marriage on the altar of work, when we sacrifice our children on the altar of work. Now, sometimes work requires a lot from us, and I do get that. I think I can say that and not be, st- this and not be stereotypical. I think there's a generation that easily sacrificed their family on the altar of work. Let me just say a word to the younger generation. I think we can idolize rest and neglect work. And so we don't want to make an idol out of rest in the same way we don't want to make an idol out of family an idol out of marriage but Jesus has given us this example just as God created six days and on the seventh day he rested we too honor him as we follow a rhythm of work and rest brothers I wonder where you are I wonder if you are exhausted, you're tired of work, maybe you're a church planner, maybe you're a solo pastor. Can I just encourage you in your ministry, especially as a solo pastor or as, as a church planner, work and work hard, but rest in the Lord. Rest and enjoy His provision. Trust the Lord Show His worthiness. Show His ability as Lord of the Sabbath to provide for you and for your family. Rest in the Lord's provision by resting from your work and show that He is Lord of the Sabbath. And then I would also say rest in Jesus' strength. Rest in His strength. We are whole persons and we need rest. Observing a rhythm of work and rest humbly admits our human frailty. So it's not just about a a break from work. It's also just a break for our bodies. Our bodies need rest. One of the things that we actually neglect is sleep. Because we're whole persons, we need good diet, exercise, and sleep. Those things are a part of us. They they regenerate uh, our, our bodies. And so I think it's important for us to rest in Jesus' work and to rest in Jesus' strength. We can't just keep going. Our bodies, our minds, they need rest. And so redeem that time. Trust in the Lord of the Sabbath. I've been traveling lately and, uh, in different time zones, and, and I, know, I know when my body needs rest because generally I'll, just, I'll get a fever blister right here. That's, that's, that's God's kindness in my body reminding me, okay, Juan, you need to slow down. Maybe you have other indicators, brothers, There are times that are busy, but we need that rest. So live and work in the strength of the Lord. Rest in the work of the Lord. And put your head on your pillow and rest in His strength. But then also, I would just say, enjoy Jesus' creation. Enjoy Jesus' creation. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. One of the beautiful things about the Sabbath is I I would envision in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, and being in the garden, which I also think the year of Jubilee pointed to, is just resting from work for a season. I mean, Can you imagine what the new heaven and the new earth will be like? We're resting. We, we will have entered our Sabbath rest, and we're just walking around, and I just pick a mango that's better than any mango I've ever had in Cuba. And you just enjoy it. You're, you're resting in the Lord's work, resting in what He has done, enjoying what He has created. Enjoy food and drink, Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, 1-5. Enjoy recreation, take vacation, enjoy God's creation, the mountains, the oceans, the rivers, the lakes, hiking, sports, music, art. Enjoy what God has created. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, and He's made Sabbath for us, not us for the sabbath and we glorify god by resting in jesus work of creation and enjoying all the good things that he has made but secondly we also glorify god by resting in and longing for jesus work of salvation looks chapter 3 verses 1 through 6 the pharisees were just looking to accuse jesus in verses 1 and 2 it says Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. I mean, they they see Jesus, they identify who Jesus is, and they're just waiting to see what Jesus is going to do and how they can use that against him. So they're just waiting for him. You know what's ironic when you read Mark's gospel? In Mark chapter 1, no one had any issues with Jesus' healing. The problem they had with Jesus was not the fact that he healed. What happened? People don't have a problem with Jesus, the good teacher, the moral example who heals. The issue is that Jesus claimed to be God. All the way from chapter 2, we see that. If Jesus was not God, he was blaspheming. Again, chapter 2, verse 7. But Jesus is God. He is the Son of Man who is the Lord of the Sabbath. He not only has authority to forgive sins, chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. He not only has authority to call sinners into the kingdom, chapter 2, verse 17. He not only has authority to feast instead of fast, chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. He also has authority over the Sabbath, chapter 2, verse 28. And as a Lord of the Sabbath, He has authority to heal on the Sabbath. You see, people have a problem with the Lord Jesus, the divine Son, the one who has authority over all things, including the Sabbath. So Jesus asks a question to expose the heart of the Pharisees in verse 3 and 4. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here, and he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. So first, Jesus takes the man as an object lesson and he shows them uh, this man. The, the mission of Shabbat had an exception for saving a life. Remember, this man's life was not in danger. Jesus could have waited 24 hours. In fact, did you notice that this man didn't even ask for healing? He didn't even ask to be healed. Jesus just uses him as an object lesson to expose the heart of the Pharisees. And Jesus' question comes out in verse 4. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? The assumption is that to not heal the man was to do him harm. Jesus already knows that they're considering killing him. I think Jesus is astute enough to understand this. And already on this Sabbath, I mean already in Mark chapter 3, already on this Sabbath they're seeking to kill Jesus. They have nothing to respond to Jesus with. Notice Jesus' deliverance in verse 5. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man stretch out your hand he stretched it out and his hand was restored jesus delivers a man from physical bondage this is a picture of our eternal rest this is a picture of our salvation isn't it sometimes we think of healing more as a miraculous power but the reality is is when we see healing when we see the casting of demons What we're actually seeing is the kingdom of God has come down in Jesus Christ. These are the promises of the kingdom. A kingdom where there will be no more evil. A kingdom where there will be no more death. A kingdom where there will be no more withered hands. A kingdom where there will be no more paralytics. Jesus is the Lord. He's come to preach the kingdom of God. to offer this to all who repent and believe in him, in his gospel, the gospel of God. And this healing shows his work of salvation. Jesus has delivered us by his obedience and sacrificial death. And so we too can rest in his saving work. We may have a desire for healing in our own lives or in a family member. We have a, a, a young daughter that has an ongoing illness, and the, what we tell her is, look, Maxie, you will be healed. One day you will be healed. It may not be now, it may be later, but it will be in the kingdom to come because that's the promise of the kingdom. She's a believer and that promise is hers. At some point, we'll see that. The Sabbath was a day of rest to remind Israel of the Lord's deliverance from Egyptian bondage and from all, and for all the promises that he would deliver them to in this land of righteousness and justice and peace. So how may we rest in and long for Jesus' work of salvation? Well, first of all, you enter that rest by faith in his work of salvation, not in your own. We enter his rest by faith in the Lord of the Sabbath. But beloved brothers, pastors, teachers, deacons, servants in the church... We continue resting in Jesus' work of salvation day by day, moment by moment, until we enter that rest. And so let me just once again encourage you to seek rest from your work in ministry. Seek rest for spiritual refreshment and renewal. And let me just remind you, when you gather on the Lord's Day, order the Lord's Day for distinctly Christian worship. When we gather on the Lord's day, we're longing for this eternal rest. We're longing to enter into our Sabbath. We're singing His word. We're longing for that day. We're taking the Lord's Supper together, anticipating the day when we enter into that rest. And so rest in the Lord Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. Rest in His work of salvation and long for that day when it will be finally complete. My experiences with Sabbath observance were deceptive and confusing. The Sabbath was never about what we can't do. The Sabbath was always about what God has done for us. And Jesus, as the Lord of the Sabbath, fulfills it. It's about what God has done for us in his son, Jesus. As the Lord of Sabbath, Jesus, who made us, made the Sabbath for us that we may rest in and enjoy His work of creation, that we may rest in and long for His work of salvation. One day we will enter that Sabbath rest. So brothers, let us strive to enter that rest by working hard and resting well. Let us strive to enter that rest by exhorting one another day by day to endure faithfully, until we enter that rest. Let us urge our people to enter that rest by faithfully preaching the gospel day in and day out, reminding them that they rest in the Lord's work and not in their own. One day we will enter our eternal Sabbath rest. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we've had together. Thank you for your faithfulness to us in Christ. Help us to trust in your work and to rest in your work To do that so now, even by enjoying your creation, resting in your provision, and longing for your salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.